Hello Team Sales Change. This is episode 11 of the Sales Change podcast featuring James Sinclair. James is an entrepreneur who owns seven businesses around the South Coast. They're centered on the entertainment market and daycare. He's had to pivot his strategy due to COVID-19 and in this episode you'll hear how he's done it. We'll also get James's tips on the team you should build around you and his three tips for every young entrepreneur right now. James also answers the Sales Change 5 questions and as usual there's loads of other content in this episode. Just a quick reminder, Sales Change run all social media platforms under at Sales Change. Go and follow us now. You can also visit the website. It's www.saleschange.co.uk. Sign up to the newsletter. Leave me a comment on your podcast platform and enjoy the episode. Hello, James. Welcome to the Self Change Podcast. How are you? I'm very good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you coping with the coronavirus and the? Uh, well, you know, look, it's it's a tough time. Um, you know, this is this is a period where entrepreneurs and business owners can really thrive. I, I'm struggling being at home, working from home. This is the second time I've had to record this podcast because <laughs> my three-year-old just trundled in with a giant tractor and a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> Hello, Daddy. How are you? Um, but, you know, we're learning to cope. You know, I have a studio at work and I've had to set up a studio from home, from scratch. And, you know, I've, I'm having to learn technology, things I'd usually say. My PA, Tracy, help me, Jenky, Chudders. You know, the whole office team, I've had to work out stuff because we're in new territories now, new territories that we've never been before. Uh, but I'm excited about the future because I believe if you've got effort, energy and enthusiasm, this is now time for an entrepreneur to shine. It is, it is. So what have you done to pivot your businesses, James? Well, we've done two things. I've started, so basically, I, you know, I teach entrepreneurs how to grow their business through marketing, property, getting customers, keeping customers, growing profits. And I've always believed in doing that face-to-face. -face. So I've got a big barn and people trundle along to my barn and they get taught lessons and stuff and they go and grow their business. We've had to pivot that and turn that into an online training program now where I'm coaching people on a weekly basis with modules like on everything to getting customers, keeping customers, buying businesses, um, growing your business, building a profitable team, getting your business ready for sale, how to sell on Amazon, how to do Facebook ads, absolutely everything on the entrepreneurial stratosphere. We've called it the Entrepreneurs University, the encyclopedia for business owners. And what we did is we thought, right, we're going to help people. And we'd, so rather than two grand to come and spend the weekend with me, you can learn it all 50 pound a month from the comfort of your own home, anywhere in the world, 24 seven. And we're letting people try it for two weeks for free and it's been going like gangbusters business number two is i've set up a drive-through supermarket so people can turn up into our car park at one of our visitor attractions they don't have to get out the car they can order on their smartphone in their car um, and then we'll put all their food in the boot of their car so safe no queues no worrying about rain none of this social distancing um, and we launched that yesterday and we've done 1400 pounds worth of sales in the first day so i was very pleased about that um, you know, what I keep telling everyone is the same amount of money exists in the world. It just goes in different pockets or stays in those pockets for a bit longer. Money hasn't disappeared. It's still there. So wherever money goes, and if it goes into grocery stores, then your energy must flow. And we've, you know, tried to keep to the fundamentals of business that I believe that it must fold into existing empire. And we've leveraged off of our database of customers. We've leveraged off of our management team. We leveraged off of our physical asset, the land that we own, to turn that into a trading business.
I mean, the, 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 there's some great history there with um, with the last financial crash. There was some great businesses which started up. There was WhatsApp in 2009, Uber in 2009, Instagram started in 2010. Um, all of these Absolutely. businesses are have come out of an opportunity, which I think we have to do as entrepreneurs, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, look, this is this is absolutely an amazing time uh, for you to be a business owner. And I predict, you know, a good friend of mine, Daniel Priest, another great entrepreneur, wrote some books and stuff. He predicted that in 2030, there'll be a brand new trillion pound company that started in 2020 because there'll be bright minds out there that are sitting at home, talented people, and they've got a few things that they've never had before. They've got time. They can literally, you know, they might be being furloughed, for example, and now they've got full time time to invest into their side hustle um, and and they're doing it. That's what they're doing, Matt. Is that what you see as your biggest strength, the ability to pivot as, as quickly as possible? Well, you know, I, I think... You know, that's an entrepreneur's truest strength. They can create something from nothing, and that's what great entrepreneurs do. They see an opportunity, and they make it happen. They create sales from nothing. They do it in a very nimble, fast, approachable way. They're flexible. They know how to go and get customers. They're marketeers first and operators second, and they make the impossible happen when uh, rather than the possible happen. And you'll see the difference between the three stages of entrepreneurs, the solopreneur into the entrepreneur, into the investorpreneur, which is the process that I teach in the Entrepreneurs University. The first stage is if you're a solopreneur, you're doing all possible tasks. You're doing stuff that anyone can do with a bit of effort and energy. Whereas an entrepreneur, the next stage, they're doing the impossible stuff what seems impossible to everyone else, like raising yeah. that million pounds, employing those people and making sure the salaries get paid, taking the risk, rolling the dice. And then it's the next level, the investorpreneur that starts making much better decisions than an entrepreneur. If you look at an entrepreneur, they're the seeker of opportunity. If you look at an investor, they're the seeker of profit. And I teach that if you fuse the two together, you're looking for profitable opportunities. And that's why I get the investorpreneur. That's, that's that's an incredible way of putting it, I suppose. Yeah. So as you transition from a solopreneur into an entrepreneur, how do you go about adding to that team? How do you how do you handpick those people? Well, you know, first of all, you get rid of the low value tasks, you know. So the first person I employed when I was 17 was a cleaner because I quickly worked out that if I, you know, I left home very young and I thought, well, bloody hell, if I'm going around cleaning my house back then, I could employ a cleaner for £5 an hour and I could go and do £50 an hour tasks, i.e. sales and marketing, i.e. getting customers, i.e. creating turnover. Next person I employed at 18 was a PA, so I didn't have to go and do my shopping anymore or go and get my car cleaned or do my ironing or do my washing or pay my bills or answer emails so I got rid of all those low value tasks so that I could go and do thousand pound an hour tasks rather than 10 20 30 40 50 100 pound an hour tasks and I still have that methodology right now what you don't want to do and this is the failure of lots of business owners they'll go I'll employ that person that's as good as me when I can afford it. What you need to do is get people that can give you more time, that does all those menial tasks and be proud that you're no longer doing your own shopping. Be proud that you're not going to drop off your dry cleaning or collect and you know manage the home bills. Get rid of all that stuff so that you give yourself 20, 30 hours more a week to go and do higher value tasks. And that's what I always done from the age of 70. 
Was that a difficult decision for you to make? Oh, absolutely not. No, no, no. I couldn't wait to employ people. You know, I can't wait to employ more people. By the time I was 21, I had 30 staff and I wish I had more because, you know, when you buy in time, you can get more stuff done. Do you think people equals profit? <laughs> oh, Oh yeah, yeah. Look, look. The, 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 at the end of the day, if you don't build a team that's got people in it, then you've just built a profitable job, and no one wants to buy a profitable job when you're finished. And so, so then you need to build a business to set. So you got profitable job, profitable business, profitable investment. So if you're Building a profitable job, i.e. it's a one-man band, when you come to retirement, who's going to buy the thing? You know, you've got no pension built up. Therefore, you'll be better off going working for someone and getting a good, sexy pension for a big company, and that's how you look after your financial security. I absolutely strongly believe that. So if you're not going to build people around you, I mean, you talk about those tech companies like Instagram, WhatsApp, and uh, Snapchat, these great big companies that, that you know, they make made no money but they had great you know in the early days you know instagram and snapchat that they were you know facebook for example yeah that they made no revenue facebook offered snapchat 30 billion us dollars before they were revenue generating because mark zuckerberg wanted to buy the team that had created it yeah do you think having the right team is the is the best way to go yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've you know, building a profitable team will change your life completely. You'll have a much more enjoyable life, and you won't have to do everything yourself. I and mean, it's not saying that you still don't do stuff. You just do bigger tasks that make bigger things happen. And so you you need to build a great team around you. Why I'm writing a book right now in isolation called The Dream Team about that very thing. Um, you know what what makes a great company and you know great people want to work for great people. Good people end up working for good people. Average people end up working for average people. So if you want to have great people working in your organisation, you've got to ask yourself the question: What have you got to become? What have you got to do to have those great people working for you? Um, and you know if you're not training your team, you're not gaining from your team understanding that you've got to invest time in your team and see these people as an asset and build them up how do you think your people see you james well i i'm i'm not a very good manager you know i believe in this fundamental formula that i always teach in business which is called e plus m equals s and i don't know if i'll just quickly draw it up for you if you're listening on here i'm just drawing the formula up it's e plus m equals success and when you get that formula working then great things happen and that is entrepreneurship plus management equals success the big failure of lots of entrepreneurs and people that start businesses is they look to replicate themselves and that's not necessarily the right decision what i am extremely attracted to in a team is good quality management i don't need another entrepreneur another visionary another risk taker another driver i need people that can actually get stuff done and that's good quality management so uh, the way I describe this is imagine you're running a school I'm the head teacher but and then I've got loads of students it's actually the teachers that get the learning done so the entrepreneur is saying this is where we're going to go and the management are saying this is how we're going to get there so the head teacher saying I want all these children to be super successful pass all their grades and then the teachers are working out how are we going to do that and there's a difference you see entrepreneurs are thinking quarter to quarter year to year decade to decade they're thinking visionary they're thinking about what's going to happen when they die managers are thinking second to second minute to minute hour to hour day to day week to week month to month yeah and it's this process of the two different things working in tandem so one's out there being the architect and one's being the builder yeah 
many people would look at entrepreneurship and building a business as a way of making a quick buck and, and instant success. There's obviously been failures down the road for you. How have you dealt with those? And what, what those, firstly, what have those failures been and how have you sort of overcome them and learned from them? So, so there's a couple of things that are going to mitigate failure. Look, there is a fine line between success and failure in entrepreneurship. Thing number one to bear in mind is it takes at least 10 years, I believe, for a business to start standing on its own two feet. I believe businesses are like children. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I believe businesses are like children. Um, well, well, let me let me explain. Okay. So if you start a new business, you know, after three years, you've got a three-year-old. After 10 years, you've got a 10-year-old. After 20 years, you've got a 20-year-old. And when you start thinking about it in compared to a human's life, it's not a long time. If you think about the Disney company, the Walt Disney company, and started making serious profits at year 30. Apple, you know, when Steve Jobs returned, 25 years. You know, this is, you know, I'm talking for something to be seriously established and standing on its own two feet. Uh, and they need so much love, care and attention. And the business learns and it develops as it grows through those different quadrants of growth. In terms of what can mitigate your failure is making sure that the, the business owner understands some f- key traits of entrepreneurship. Number one, all your decision making must fold into existing empire. So if you look at my businesses, yeah, I own day nurseries, but I own children's visitor attractions. There's a synergy. I make teddy bears. I made yep. over a million teddy bears. My biggest customer is me. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, when we've got indoor play centers, outdoor attractions, the management team, we can swap apart around. So we'll always try and leverage the, the management team, the brand, the database, the customers, our knowledge, know-how and IP to grow our businesses. We don't fall outside of our existing empire and lots of entrepreneurs do do that like they say oh my god bitcoin's the new thing i'll jump into that or you know i own a hotel now i'm going to set up a finance company you know come on you know you've got to make sure that you fold into existing empire and make sure if you're going to start new things that they all synergize and you can leverage off the database disney do this very well disney plus 50 million subscribers paying 5.99 within a few months that's on the back of all their theme parks all their cruise lines all their assets all their ip they went and bought Star Wars yeah well it makes sense for them to do that they know how to make toys and merchandise stuff they bought Marvel it all folds into existing empire and if you can fold into your existing empire you will always always be more successful there's some other things that make a big difference the magic word in business is margin if you've got margin in your business you're always going to protect yourself against the many you've got the freedom then haven't you yeah and also be a business that's uh, what i call love want and need especially in an economic downturn so what's a love want and need business for example i own childcare. our childcare business is still operating because people love it they want it and they need it our leisure business is a love and want business people love days out they want days out but they don't need days out so therefore it's not still trading that's why this online supermarket the click and collect drive through supermarket people need food they want food they love food so they're coming out and doing it so if you could you know the types of businesses that will soar to success in this economic downturn which is surely to come is going to be a love want and need business like you know even the iPhone I mean I'm thinking about the iPhone here this is a business that's a luxury item that's become love want and need you know people love their iPhone they want their iPhone if the thing breaks even if they can't afford it they'll get it replaced they'll yeah. find a way you know yeah um, and, e- and even in this period now where there's a, a huge amount of uncertainty the, the yeah. latest iphone is literally just about to hit the stores i think it came out on friday so yeah apple of apple of 
ignored the fact that there could be an economic downturn. And if you use your analogy, love, want and need, people love their iPhone, they want one and they need one in, in some senses. So that they're, they're pushing for, the, for more revenue even during this period. How long do you see the economic downturn lasting? Well, I think we'll be into something for about two years before we go back to normal. There's... Is that in every industry, James, or is that a... Uh, no, I think, yeah, as an average. I mean, I, no, I think some industries will always go like gangbusters over others. But I think, you know, there's going to be... It, see, the thing is about recession, there's very, everyone's different. So the 2008-2009 was a credit crunch situation. This is not a credit crunch situation. In fact, UK banks are sitting on £4.2 trillion worth of cash. They've never had so much money, the UK banks. This is not a credit crunch situation. Yeah. It'd be... A confidence situation about an invisible thing that we don't know about. See, everything, you know, there's there's three situations. Is it going to be a V recovery, a U recovery, or a W recovery? And my view is that until people have confidence that this disease is not going to come back, i.e. we have a credible vaccine, that's going to be the 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 decipher on what everyone's confidence is going to be. Like everything, oh, should I buy a house? Should I, you know, move jobs? Should I start a business? because I don't know if this vaccine is going to come back for a second bite of the cherry. My personal view is that it's going to be a, a W-type recovery. And I think that's mainly because this situation unfolded so quickly, which has sort of yeah. paused all trade. I mean, my day job is uh, thermoplastic valves that I run the UK and US arm of a French company. And our, our trade sort of stopped instantly. Uh, we've we've semi-recovered and our, and our trade is continuing through this period because... We've got people that uh, work in the medical industry, so they need these valves to, to work in hospital disinfection units. Again, love, want and need. They've got a want and they've got a need for that. So the thermoplastic valve business is continuing through. And the valve industry is a key industry, as deemed by Bayes, a government body. They've deemed that manufacturing is a key industry. What I can see happening is all of the orders and all of the uh, trade that was pent up, ready to be placed at that period when the coronavirus hit, is suddenly going to be released once the lockdown is gone, which is going to form sort of a, a lift in trade and a lift in, in fortunes. I think that will quickly evaporate once they see that there's going to be some second peaks in some countries. I mean, the US is going for an immediate release of the lockdown, and, and, I, and I can see that being a poor strategy to go with. But I can see there being a loss of confidence in trade and then suddenly a pickup maybe, in, like you say, in 18 months, two years' time. Yeah, I mean, see, see the V. So my view is the U. So the W and the U are very similar. Yeah, you know, other other than that, you're going to see a quick. I mean, I'm sure as soon as we all go back to normal, everyone will be spending money and there'll be a flush of cash into the economy, and then the realization will come back down, and then they'll yeah. do it properly, and then we'll go. Yeah, and and I see that that. So for me, is the U. I think people, especially in the UK, are very cautious on. You know, they do a lot of research, and they'll be. You know, we're six. People comparing us to bloody New Zealand and Singapore. And so I'm like, guys, 4 million people live in Singapore. 4.8 million live in New Zealand. we got 68 million people here. Yeah. It's not comparing apples with apples. You know, you can't compare some of these micro countries with tiny populations on the way we're doing things and handling things. I, but look, I think once we do recover, the UK is a great place to do business and be an entrepreneur. And I'll tell you for why. You know, we've got the... Yeah, we've got a great financial system with banks that have got more money than they've ever had. We've got a great legal system. We've got a great defense system in terms of army, which is important for a country's economy. We've got 
<laughs> thank the lucky stars Boris Johnson didn't die. So we've got five years of stability in government with a majority. If you look at countries like France and Germany, they've got very minor majorities in their governments. I mean, if you go over the road to Ireland, they've got three parties with equal number of seats. You know, they're going to get nothing done. And then over the big pond, over to America, you've got a presidential election in November. Yeah, yeah. You know, how lucky are we in the UK? We don't have to worry about that for five years. What do you see happening in the next five years, James, especially to your businesses? So I think I think 2021 is going to be tough uh, overall, but good for our business. I mean, see, I'm in a very, I'm a cheap treat day out type business. We've got day nurseries, sorry, children's play centres, uh, children's outdoor attractions. And I think our business is going to be in a good place. We did very well in the 2009 economic downturn. We grew our business you know, very, very fast. And I think that's going to happen again. The people are going to staycate rather than vacate. So I think not just because they haven't got the money to do it, I think people will have the money to do it. They'll think, well, if we catch something, we'd much rather yeah. be in the UK. So I think there's going to be a lot more staycations and that would be good to keep cash flowing around the UK economy, UK PLC. And um, I, I'm going to grow our business and buy as many businesses as I can and muster up as much energy and enthusiasm as I completely can do. I mean, the thing is, like, if, you, if, you, there's a, if, you, if you're in a place right now where you're dissatisfied and you want change, then change can happen. And the formula for change is D times V times F, S um, has got to be R. And that's dissatisfaction times resistance times the first steps that are greater than resistance. So I'm dissatisfied with where I am right now. So I've started, you know, I've got a vision, I've got to do something. So I've got to write, okay, I'm going to start two new businesses. I'll start the Entrepreneurs University. I'll let people try it for free for 14 days so they can see how great it is. And I'll start the drive-through supermarket and I'll write a new book. And my first steps in getting that done, let's make the first video. Let's write the first thousand words. Let's order the food in so that we have to get this done. And that beats the resistance because there'll be loads of people resisting you from doing this. Mood hoovers out there right now. Don't start business. Don't do that. You know, everyone's that. No, it's not working. It's going to be a disaster. No one's going to buy it. You just got to remove those toxic viper sniper mood hoover nonces and get going and build a great business. How do you deal with negativity, James? Especially, let's say personally and within the corporate world, you must have negative members of staff or, or, or people that have sort of pushed against what you're trying to achieve. Well, I try and, if, yeah, I mean, the more successful you get, though, the less that happens because people know that you can make things happen. So in the <laughs> yeah. early days, yeah, I had that in abundance. But when people say oh, I'm going to do something, I think I scare them because they know that I'm not just saying it, you know, for a a day out i mean i i will put my energies and enthusiasms to make sure i try and get it done do you think you're fiercely independent because of your upbringing yeah and i i don't think being fiercely independent you know is it's necessarily a great thing yeah um this is a balance you know and i'm you know i i try and deal with stuff much more than most people yeah what what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs now Oh, well, learn before you earn because, you know, you can really save a lot of time. Check out my YouTube channel, 450 plus videos, all for free to help grow your business. Podcasts, read books, um, you know, understand this. Um, poor people have big TVs, rich people have big libraries. And you can literally, you know, I always say this, that, that when I go and talk in school, I say, guys, if I could tell you how you could spend eight hours 
with the guy that founded and started Nike. And it's only going to cost you £6.50. And you can spend six hours with them. Would you do it? And they all put their hands up and say, yes, yes. Yeah. I said, go on Audible and listen to Shoe Dog. They tell you exactly how he built that business. It's his voice. You know, amazing. You know, like, I mean, you will definitely come out and learn some great stuff from doing that. And, you know, go out there and find a mentor, not a business coach, but find someone that's been super successful in business and say, can I just shadow you for three months? You don't have to pay me. I just want to watch everything you do at that high level. Did you have a mentor, James? No, but loads of mentors, tons of mentors. You know, I, I've always, if I've wanted to do a business, I'll go and find someone that's doing very well in that industry. I'll write them a letter, send them an email, say, can I have a cup of coffee with you to find out how you've done this? And eight times out of 10, they say yes. And what brilliant advice I've got from that. And that saved me hundreds of thousands of pounds. And I continue to do that to this day. I think one of the phrases which really stuck with me when I watched, I've watched a couple of YouTube videos. When I say a couple, James, I mean about 350 <laughs> of the back <laughs> catalogue. One of the phrases is, the more you learn, the more you earn. Yeah. Massive effect. Since I left school, I left school uh, fairly early as well. I left, left home at 16, joined the army, spent eight years in the army, left the army after I went to Iraq twice and then went into the corporate world. I've slowly but surely found my feet and now I run a valve company in the UK I'm also setting up a side hustle, which is the sales change part, because I've gone into companies and changed their corporate culture, changed their sales processes in order to grow the business. How I've achieved that is reading and listening and watching. And if, the more that you take in, the more that you've got to offer, which is a massive... Yeah, and, and when, and when that, that take in becomes subconscious rather than conscious, that's yeah. when you really... Like if you're knowing how to sell things as easy as you walk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what... That, you know, if you keep doing it and you, you know, watch a YouTube, like, you know, some people can't, they don't like reading. So there's Audible. Some people don't like listening. So you can watch. I mean, the opportunities for young entrepreneurs and young people to better themselves is more than ever. So get off Fortnite, get off all these <laughs> other poxy things and build your brain. So we're just coming to the end of the podcast, James. And what we do on every single Sales Change podcast is ask the five same questions. So I'll ask them to you in any order, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, which is your favorite social network and why? Probably still Facebook. You can um, choose You can choose one that I haven't listed. A lot of people say TikTok now, which is... No, I don't care about TikTok. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Facebook for me is still the number one for my business in the family entertainment business because... You know, everyone's still on Facebook. You know, even, you know, people still dip their toe into Facebook, even if they say it's for old people now. I think Facebook ads is still the number one for generating business. You know, and then probably closely after that would be YouTube because the amount of time people, well, if you including, you didn't include YouTube, did I you? I didn't, but you can if you like. <laughs> the, the the great thing about YouTube is, you know, people spend forty seconds on average on all the other platforms. Like they're on there, you know, they're doing, and then they go back to normal life. YouTube, when they go onto YouTube, they spend forty minutes a session on there, and they give it their undivided attention. So therefore, that is why YouTube is still a very powerful platform. As is podcast, podcast, you've got a captive audience for 30, 40 minutes at a time. Yeah, I, I mean, I do agree. You know, and I am a massive podcaster, and I believe in that, but. When you're doing podcasting or you're listening to a podcast, you could be going out, you know, driving. You could be, you know, doing something in the garden, not giving it your undivided attention. Whereas YouTube, you're you know, watching and listening. Visual yeah. listening, you know, it's a bit, that's why it's so powerful. 
What'd be the worst job that you could ever do and why? Oh, just repetitive tasks because my brain doesn't like, like doing repetitive stuff. I like to innovate and improve. So anything that's repetitive, I really would not enjoy. What did you want to be when you grew up? An entrepreneur, business owner, um, and own visitor attractions and in the family entertainment sector. I, I thought about that from the age of nine onwards. Where did that come from? Just, I, I loved entertaining people. I loved magic and uh, I loved people businesses. I used to get told off at school for designing logos and what my fleet of vans would look like <laughs> for my business. Yeah, so I, I've, you know, like successful people think with the end in mind, it, it gives you something to build up towards. You know, my end is to own big visitor attractions rather than mid-level visitor attractions. And once I get there, I'll, I'll be really happy. So, you know, a zoo, a theme park, not not a theme park, but sort of a, a mid-level zoo slash theme park, not too many animals, not too big a theme park, but, you know, yeah. half a million, million visitors a year. Yeah, that's where I want to be. What leader do you look up to the most, James? I mean, controversial is this. Richard Branson's still the person that's taught me the most because he's always, when I read Losing My Virginity in the beginning, he taught me so many little lessons that, you know, if you can't do something, just buy it in. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a, you know, the way we're taught at school and if you've been in the army, if you can't do anything, you try, try, try again until you succeed. And well, we haven't always got time to do that in a business. So if I can't build a website, I employ a web developer. Guess what I have? If I don't yeah. like administration, I'll get a PA, you know, because I want to go and do things that move the mountains so that everyone else has got jobs. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's just, yeah, so I don't try and do things that I'm not good at. Uh, and finally, what was the last book that you read? I'm reading a book at the moment called One Million Followers. It's a great book about how to build one million followers online. I've seen that advertised. I think that pops up quite it's regularly great. on my Instagram ads. It's a good book. I'm listening to it on Audible, so I'm not actually reading it. Yeah, but it's a great book. Thank you, James. Thank you very much for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go anywhere yet. Julio, tell people where they can get more information. If you like the podcast, go visit saleschange.co.uk. That's good, but you said dot, do, dot. Saleschange.co.uk. Why don't you head? No, 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 no. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Go to saleschange.co.uk and <laughs> saleschange.co.uk and subscribe to our incredible newsletter. Thanks for listening.